Uh, my bad. I, I apologize. Somehow or another, the video kind of messed up. So if you're on there, uh, I'm sorry about that, Mr. Duncan. If you get back on, I'll finish what I was covering real quick. Uh, I'll just wait, let make sure it popped up. I was having technical issues, so I'll just end up going to the phone. But I want to get this out before next week so that uh, I'm going to get this out next week before uh, we go live or we go for the training for next week. So let me try to pull this back up again. I'll wait for everybody to get back on who was following. If you're on, just let me know. If you pop on, just let me know that you're online. I want to make sure that I can get this out here as soon as possible. I was having technical difficulties. So I do apologize for the technical difficulties, but we'll we'll try to make it through. So um, I'm just going to wait another second so as the stuff pops up, um, we'll, I'll start back over again, and we'll just make it real quick. So... Um, Get back on again. Having issues. If you if you're on, just holler at me. Just tell me if you ain't give me thumbs up. Um, cause I'll I'll get started again. And I'm sorry about the technical difficulties. I don't know what happened with my camera, so I'll make. Sure I don't, even, I don't know whether or not. Let's do this. Yeah, there we go. I just want to make sure everybody's on. Uh, oh man, hold on. Okay, I was doing my teaching last week, and um, well, yesterday actually, and a question popped up from from one of the brothers I went to school with, and he threw out uh, uh, a scripture in Matthew where he said that um, Jesus said, "Blessed art thou, Simon." Um, Barjona, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but by the Father which was in heaven, I say unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell should not prevail against it. And that was Matthew chapter 16, verses 18, because I had made a statement in my teaching about the Torah. I said that Jesus never intended to create a new religion. And Paul, when he wrote the New Testament, he never intended that he was writing um those books of the Bible that they were going to become a brand new religion. So what I wanted to kind of address in that was a Torah reflection and then um, to address uh, church versus community. Um, so for the next couple of weeks, we're going to be covering the Torah. And I said that uh, the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, uh, and there was a book that was written by Moses to the children of Israel um, about how to live a certain lifestyle. And so what I wanted to kind of address that um, when I stated that Jesus never intended to start a new religion, um, I wanted to kind of expand upon that because I'm not going to have time to cover it in the teaching. So what I simply was stating was that Jesus never intended. There's no scriptures that ever intended to give us any concept that Jesus was creating a new religion or Paul was creating a new religion that we so-called now call Christianity. Um, it was ever, it was, um, 
the original scripture in Matthew that Jesus says, I became, um, I came to fulfill the law, bring, bring it to the fullest, but it wasn't for us to have what we consider to be uh, Christianity today. Not saying that I, I'm, I'm not a Christian at all. I, I very much follow um, my, my Christian faith, but it, the original teaching um, that existed prior to that is that it was never existed. So when I say in my original conversation that Torah versus community, the whole 66 books of the Bible were not written to establish church. It was written to establish um, an interworking community. So the word um, that you find in Matthew which there says that upon this rock I'll build my church. The word is ecclesiastia, which simply means a gathering um, or a called out people. So the whole concept um, of church, of what we know it as being in America or in Western civilization, it's kind of made up. Um, it was the Bible was written towards a community of people. It has always been the most highest attention that we will serve as a community. That um, and what we have now is Western society has this fascination with organizations, um, not necessarily community. For an example. Um, we have a fascination about things getting bigger and having big buildings and big infrastructure because organizations mean power. And if you notice, um, most of our churches are not necessarily community centers. Um, they don't function as houses or places in which the, the pastor or the church or the clergy are interacting with people. Um, you come in. 45 minutes of, 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 you know, 30 minutes of singing. Man gets up, talks for 30 minutes. He asks for individuals to give 10% of their earnings to them um, and tell them that they're blessed and we'll see you next week. Um, if you have to use the church for something, you have to pay. Right? You've been a member for years. You've been giving your tithes and offerings and... 10% and then you have to actually pay money to utilize the church for your wedding because they say they have other bills to pay or lights to get on the gas to come on, get, get on. Now, don't you find it really kind of interesting, um, especially from, from, a, from an African-American perspective? You have multi-million dollar facilities, uh, multi-million dollar infrastructures in poor neighborhoods. Right. You have clergy or pastors who are making six figures and individuals who have been attending for years are still living in Section 8 housing, underemployed um, and don't have access to resources. If there's a calamity that occurs within an individual that has been faithfully giving to that organization or to that church. There's really a, is not meat in the storehouse. Now, if I'm lying, just say, hey, Perk, you lying to me. Um, you know, things happen and then they got to take up another offering to help the brother or the sister that's going through a hardship. Now, don't get me wrong. It's OK to offer, have a special offering for a person like a house get burned down. But this individual has been given 10 percent of their income 
for the last 10 or 15 years and all of a sudden you got to bring them up in front of the church and ask for the church to give an offering to take care of their individual need when the when technically the Bible teaches that there should be meat in God's storehouse. Right? Um, so when I say that church versus community, it was never God's intention for us to build um, churches or buildings or organizations. That is a Western interpretation and that is a Western thought process. And I explained to you how this kind of happened in twofold. Um, most of us are, are, are well aware of, of the Catholic Church. And um, anyone that is not a Catholic, and if you call yourself a Christian, you are Protestant. But as a Protestant, that is an individual that um, diverted away from the Catholic Church. That's why they call Protestant or Protestant, or to protest the Catholic Church. Individuals like Martin Luther, Martin Luther was known for the, making sure that the Bible was accessible to everyone, therefore responsible for the translation of the Bible to make sure that uh, poor individuals that were not a part of the Catholic Church had access to the Bible. And then every denomination of churches are actually historical landmarks into the, uh, the evolution of um, what we consider to be the Christian church. So you have Episcopalians who follow the epistles. You have Baptists who have focused their attention on the understanding of baptism, which they do really, really well. But understand that tithes and offerings, and it's not about tithes and offerings, and I'm not going to get on the financial case until later as we get into teachings, but it was a, the intentions of the Most High, it was to develop community. So when Christ says, upon this rock I'll build my church, it was a group or a community of people that had a belief system in which they were supportive of each other. That is why in the book of Acts, when everyone was hungry or starving, people began to share resources amongst themselves to help support each other. Because at the end of the day, when if we would make the shift as individuals who believe in God from a, to a community mindset, that simply would mean that whatever I have, you should have. And there should be some sense of community sharing of resources. I'm not saying that if a person doesn't eat or the person doesn't have or they're not willing to work, should they partake of that community? That simply means that we begin to develop a community mindset, community economics or community Growth. For an example, we hear this concept of black businesses and the need for African-Americans to support black businesses, especially individuals who I know who are doing well in business, etc. It's very, very difficult for African-Americans to do business with each other is because we don't understand a community mindset. Right. Um, we don't understand that if I help support you, that those resources should begin to circulate within our community. For example, your gifts and talents, if we are essentially a community, your gifts and talents should be supported because if I support you, it supports the whole entire community so that there's never a lack amongst us at all. So when I say church versus community and whether or not uh, the whole concept exists, the whole intentions for scripture was to, to create a community of people. It was never created for you to build a building. Understand, it was really until in the 1970s that tithes came back into the forefront of giving. And I'll explain to you why. When tithes came back, back in the 70s and 80s, as a method, as a tool for pastors to raise funds to build buildings. For pastors to raise funds 
to build buildings. So what that simply means is, instead of, it's really technically you're imposing a tax on people to help build a facility that they don't have access to. Let me say that again. It is really a tax that has been imposed on a group of people to pay for a building that they don't have access to. Now, I can sound dogmatic. Now, my, my parents are pastors, and they're great people. And um, we've had these conversations, and I love them, and I support them. And I teach in their church every, when I'm in Indy sometimes. But when we think about the concept of church, technically what it is, it is an attack, it's a tax that has been imposed on people to pay for a building that they don't have access to. Let's go back to the original concept. You have multi-million dollar facilities in broke down neighborhoods. You have a pastor that makes six figures or more. We're not talking about $100,000. $300,000. And the people in their community, people who attend that church for years, are still living in Section 8 housing. You, people who've been attending this church still don't have access to the resources to help and support them. You have 10,000, and I'm not, you know, I, you know, I'm from India, Indianapolis, and there's a lot of mega churches. But you typically find when you have a lot of mega churches, the city has mega, mega crime. You can't even, you, they don't even have any political power whatsoever. And you got 10,000 people. Not just one church, but on your whole entire staff, 10,000 people, and you don't have any economic infrastructure to help. You got kids killing kids. You got young men who can't find jobs, but yet and still you get making six figures. Your building's only open maybe three days out the week. And yet and still you're telling people who um, literally are paying 10%. If you really do the math, it's more like 15% to 20% of their take-home income because once the federal government takes 30% out of taxes, people are going home and trying to live off of about 30 to 40% or 50% 50% of their household income to pay for a facility that there's no meat in God's storehouse. Because we have not... Hey, what's going on, um, Bobby? Having, having no access to resources. You're talking about Poor people who are paying for a building. School suffering. Mothers don't have jobs. And you don't have apprenticeship programs. You don't have job service programs. If a single mother loses everything in a house fire, you got to bring them up in front of the whole entire church to take up an offering? How in the world are you going to do that? Shouldn't not my money already been stored up in there? So just in case that there's an emergency, there should be resources already available for them? So the issue is, and I think a lot of times why young people are not going to church, man, they, they, they've seen 30 or 40 years of this, 30 or 40 years of individuals who have been making so much money and yet and still people are not having access to those resources. And I'm not dogmatic about the church. Understand, let me say this. I'm not dogmatic about people who are doing the work of the Lord. I'm not dogmatic about it. I'm just bringing it to your attention. The scriptures never intended for us to get outside of the community aspect of church. The word church in the Bible does not mean what we know as Western civilization. It was never designed to be an organization. 
It was designed for be a place where the community could assemble together. That's why the Bible tells us never do not forsake the assembly of the saints. Why? It's because at any given point of time, there's always going to be poor people among you. So it's when we assemble, not that we have a church. And then, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we have daycare. Yeah, absolutely. It's when we assemble together. That is where the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. That is where we need to begin to look. It's okay to have buildings. And I agree. But what have we, what we've seen in the last 20 or 30 years, the churches have become businesses. And centers of business, not necessarily community centers. And let me explain how I know this. So my, pa my parents have always been, my pastors have always been um, in, in church leadership. Before they became pastors, they were elders, they were deacons, and etc. And I remember in the 1990s, there was a big, well, early 90s, there was a real big question as to whether or not should churches be ran like a, a non-profit organization or should they be ran like a business? Everybody remember that? I will, if you're young, you probably don't remember. But there was a conversation, should churches be ran like a business or like an organization or an organization to help people? A lot of your old school pastors, you know, the 1960s civil rights leader pastors who were about building up the black community, they had a real big issue with that. But the young guns, a lot of the churches, especially in the big charismatic movement, they chose to run churches like business. Then what happens is if, if you notice, everything became a fee. Money became an issue. The hopping churches was always the big churches because you had the 50-member choir. And what we saw in the black community, it was the first time in history where we had pastors who became multimillionaires. Think about it. All the pastors who got hot, even Jake's, them guys, $250 million dollars. Worth, net worth, $250 million. When did they get hot? The 90s. They got hot in the 90s. It was the first time that we saw, at least in our community, where you had individuals who made that kind of money. People like, people who had old school pastors. You know, we celebrate Dr. Martin Luther King's birthday, right? He was a reverend, right, over at church. He died broke. Study his history. He died broke. His, his family only recouped the money maybe the last 10 years because they got exclusive rights to his works and his writings. But he died broke. Broke as a joke. In our community, our church leaders were always servants of the community. Our churches was community centers. If we did not have churches... We would not have HBCU colleges. We would not have the, the, the amount of black people who went to school. It's because these pastors, if you could assemble anywhere, we had a place to assemble. Or to at least have a conversation about what our communities need. Now, our churches are closed six days out the week. I mean, they're closed. I give 10% for a church that's only open 10 days out the week. Anytime your church get past 100 people, the pastor got like bodyguards, but he's taking full-time payment. Bodyguards. Now, I'm going to say this. I'm a principal of a school. I don't got bodyguards, and I got 300-something students every single day. I don't have no armor bearers. 
I don't I don't walk out and hide in my office all day. I'm visible. I talk to every single one of individuals because I'm held accountable. So when do we get to the point where our even our clergies are are like celebrities? I can't talk right now. I don't have access right now. And you only got 200 people. Is this not your full-time job? <laughs> you know, is this not your full-time job? Is this not what you get? You get paid to serve the people that God has entrusted you with. But yet and still, we don't have access. So what I'm saying is, as we study the Torah and as we go through these Bible studies, what I'm simply saying is, it's bringing us back to a communal mindset. It's a communal mindset. For an example, one individual on here is a barber, right? Everybody knows that the, that the black barber or the black barber shop is a community center. If you think you, if, if, if you want to know what your rep is in the city, go to a barber shop. Am I lying? If you really want to know what your rep is in the community, go to a barber shop or a beauty salon. It's a community center. Why? Because at the end of the day, your degrees don't mean nothing. If you're a sellout, they're going to let you know. If they think that you're an Uncle Tom, a coon, they're going to let you know. Because when we assemble as a community, we can have real-life conversations. And what we have done for years is distance ourselves from having real-life conversations. So I wanted to address that. When I had that conversation, I put that out there. I said, Jesus never intended to create a new religion. The oath, what I'm simply saying is that through the teaching of the Torah, it teaches us how to be a community. It teaches us how to, how do we interact with each other? You know, it teaches us how to be better and how to operate as a community, not as a church per se, as an organization, but to operate as a people. If we would take our mindset, man, off of that whole Concept, man, that if I said like today, if I said, man, you know, what, I'm going to start a ministry. Most people think, man, oh, he's going to start a whole church. He's going to get a building and he's going to start saying, oh, I'm going to, you know, tithes and offerings. No, it's not about that. What about having pastors that are marketplace pastors? Individuals, man, who just happen to feel called to lead God's people, but don't take a, a, a salary off of it. Pull those resources to ensure that the community has access to resources. That as well as while, while you're teaching the word of God, how about having conversations about economic development? Because if you could build a multi-million dollar uh, facility, why couldn't you can't buy a strip mall? Why 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 does other businesses in the community, especially African Americans, we gotta pay sixteen hundred dollars, have a five-year contract with somebody? But yet, so you can build a church on Section 8 housing, low-income families, people who give them their last bit of dollars, and there's no there's nothing that's coming back within the local community. So I just wanted to really say that the ultimate goal is to, to really address the communal mindset and what the Torah really meant, because it was addressed to a people who came out of bondage, out of slavery, and it was supposed to teach them how to interact and how to live together. So as you follow me in the next couple of weeks, um, it's going to be a while because I'm going to go line by line. Understand that it's written in a community mindset, not a church mindset. Whatever your, whatever your concept is of church, please get rid of it because it'll mess you up. 
it, I mean, it, it is because the more you study the word of God, you realize like, man, what I read, especially when you get to Acts, and even though we don't get that in the Torah, when you get to Acts and understand, man, that the first church was a community, man, they was breaking bread, making sure that no one had lack among themselves. You know what I'm saying? That is what a community means, that there's no lack. I know if you got little ones, and especially with these cold winter days, if you had a full-time job and you didn't have access to daycare because you 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 needed because your kid was in school and school closed and your kid was too young young to be at home by themselves, you panicked because you had no place within your local community to send your kids. How many churches open up their open up their doors and got that youth pastor who get paid by church tithes and offerings to host all day daycare? Can you can y'all give me one? Y'all had a facilities? Did they do all day daycare? Did an alert now come and say we know that there's calamity days? So all the faithful members of the uh church of the blessing of God house, please bring your children, our youth pastors, our youth ministers who are on staff and the pastoral staff will watch your kids while you go to work. Send out what your tithes and offers to go to pay for. Now, you should be able to take care of the man of God. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that pastors should not get paid. I'm not saying that. I'm just asking. What I'm saying is, let's look at it from a different perspective. Because I know some of y'all young, young people, man, y'all tired. Y'all done seen y'all grandparents, man, give. You know what I'm saying? It, but it can be. Miss Duncan, it can be. Once we go, Once we begin to have real life conversations... And we don't have to be mad, angry, black people, or anti-social. I'm just saying, let's build a community. Because it's in the scriptures. It is. It is. It really is. We can build it. And it's not like fact. I mean, it's not that we can't. Because anytime you can build a church that has a carpeted gym and multi-million dollar facilities, you, you can build an economic infrastructure. Not saying that everyone's going to get rich, but definitely a place where People's needs are being met. I, I, I basically a place that where you can at least put young men into apprenticeship programs or job embedded programs, so you don't have people in in, in in poverty. So it can happen, and hopefully through the teaching of the tours, we can really make it work. So, so I just wanted to say that if you have any questions or comments, go ahead and put them in. I can help answer that. I can help answer. I'll be still here in a few few minutes longer, but um, answer a couple of ones because someone said something interesting. Um, daycares, absolutely. Daycares and schools. You know, we really don't have, um, even, you know, my daughter goes to a Christian school. Um, you know, and I'm not saying that all Christian schools are bad. I agree with, you know, having faith-based education, but sometimes, man, they don't cater to our black kids or kids that look like me and you or, or, or kids that are minorities. Um, and we should be able to build quality education. We have the resources in the community, but I think the heart of that matter is everyone's trying to get paid. No one's trying to build. Um, and there are certain things you do for the for the sake of the community, not the sake of making money. Um, the money comes, but you have to have a heart of service. Um, there's never a day where myself personally, I go into to a school and I'm thinking to myself, man, I'm about to make a million dollars today. No, I do it for the understanding that I hopefully... 
that every young person that I touch, it adds another resource to the community. Um, who else said something that I thought was hip? Yeah, you've been, you've been saying this for a long time, Mr. Gamble. You know, absolutely, man. It's the truth. Um, and I, like I said, my parents are pastors. I teach. I am not mad at the church. I am not mad at people who are clergy members. I'm just saying for a younger generation, let's begin for people, especially younger than me. Let's begin to look at it differently because we have an opportunity to to fix some of these things or at least begin to create uh, community churches or churches or whatever that really have the heart of service to the people that are a part of those communities. So uh, thank you uh, for listening. Um, definitely, I'll be on here one more minute. So if you have any questions or any more comments, um, I I'm here. But God bless, man. Everybody have a good evening. I'm going to go spend some family time. Peace out.